0: Hello, and welcome to the Story Wagon Podcast, where we talk about life, story, and spiritual health. I am your host, Chaplain Jose Martinez, and you can learn more about this podcast at our website, storywagon.org.
1: You can also show us your support on our Patreon page, so that we can continue to host this podcast and create resources that help our communities develop good spiritual health. Welcome.
0: Welcome everyone to the Story Wagon podcast. This is the March edition 2021. And we are now a year into our COVID-19 experience and there's a lot going on in the world. A lot of social justice stuff and um it's because of all of the things that are going on in the world that we are talking with Amy Ravisfury, Amy Ravis- Fury this morning from Avodah. Avodah is a Jewish social justice organization and it is awesome and Amy is awesome and you get two Amys today. Woo! (laughs) What's better than that? Double the Amy. So uh, just to start out again I'm Amy Shoemaker and um, Jose will not be with us today. He is still in Germany and Amy and I are here in Kansas City so we are Hanging out on Zoom, getting this podcast done, getting this podcast out to you all who are listening. So, thank you for listening. And, Amy, I'm going to turn it over to you just to introduce yourself a little bit and, um, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and Avoda and sort of how you got into it.
1: Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I was really honored that you asked. This means a lot. Um, So, I'm the director of Avoda in Kansas City. Avoda is a 21-year-old organization, and we're a national organization, Um, Avodah's mission is to develop lifelong social justice leaders whose work is informed by um, Jewish values and nourished by Jewish values, and who inspire the Jewish community to work toward a more just and equitable world. So what that looks like here in Kansas City is you know, moving the Jewish community towards making a meaningful commitment towards social justice, racial and economic justice, and, um, and developing um, a team or a cohort of leaders who, who care very much about that mission in a community, most importantly.
0: Awesome. Community. And yes, love that. And how did you get involved?
1: Oh, wow. I love to say that Avodah has been a part of my life now for longer than it hasn't been part of my life. I'm 44 years old. And when I was 21, um, I participated in Avodah's second cohort. Part of the work that Avodah does is um, like a Jesuit or a Lutheran or a Catholic volunteer corps. Um, We were and still are um, a group of young Jews from, um, you know, spectrum of Jewish identities who lived together in New York City for a year doing full-time social justice work and learning about like what was Jewish about justice I mean I'm not saying that like justice is inherent and in, or like only Jewish but like sure. for for the Jewish community like what um what Judaism has to say about justice and like building a vocabulary in a way to talk about justice in terms that like linked mm-hmm. up with my, um, spirituality and with my, uh, yeah, with my Jewish identity.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so it was an incredibly powerful, meaningful year, you know, of intentional community of figuring out how to live mm-hmm. with eight other people. I, it was like the real world. It was 1999 when the real world was like really popular <laughs> and I left Kansas and I moved to, to New York and I, I really, I mean, that was such a huge year for me. And, um, and Avoda has been a part of my life ever since then. I, I, seven years after I was a core member, I became the New York city program director and I was in that role for three years. And then after Michael was born, who's turning 13, I freaked out and said, I want to come home. And, um, eight years after we moved home, I was able to bring Avoda to Kansas city. So I'm happy to tell you more about any of those things, but um, yeah, Avodah is huge uh, and central in my life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So specifically, um, you know, you mentioned sort of the, I'm curious to hear more about this intersection between your faith and social justice Mm -hmm. and like what it is about your understanding of the divine that um, sort of compelled mm-hmm. you to do this work and that sustained you in this social justice work?
1: I was thinking about those things as I prepared to talk with you today. And I remember writing in my essay, or, or like, you know, my, yeah, my essay to get into Avodah, to apply for Avodah, that I was much more comfortable in a Judaism that, you um, like where I could be chanting in the streets rather than standing at the bima on the, you know, like the altar chanting Torah. And I was much more interested in, um, seeing God as like the, the connection of the divine, um, that we were all created in God's image and that there's this interconnectedness between each one of us, um, and that we were responsible for one another. Um, I'm also deeply compelled by Jewish history in terms of radical movements and um, social justice movements. And, you know, I don't think it's an accident that there are so many Jewish people at the forefront of, um, you know, the women's movement, the civil rights movement, um, the anti-war movement. And maybe it's that I like, I mean, we, we make up such a small percentage of people and maybe it's that there were a lot, there obviously were lots of people in leadership roles, but like, I can't help but think of like Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin. You know, I saw um, the movie, The Trial of the Chicago Seven and I watched the series, Mrs. America. And I think Gloria Steinem and Bella Abzug and um, Betty Friedan. And, you know, like I can't help but think that those movements were infused by Jewish people. Um, And that's a Judaism that I've always been drawn to and connected to. I think that a lot of, I mean, I I also could talk forever about like Jews and whiteness. And mm-hmm. I wanna recognize that like the Jewish community is a multi-racial um, and diverse, multi-ethnic and diverse community. Um, but I think the world perceives, even, we're working to change that, but the world perceives Jews as white. And um, and yet like when the capital was, um, the capital insurrection, you know, there was the camp Auschwitz and the, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene was talking about Jewish Mm -hmm. space, whatever, you know, like lasers. And so (laughs) it's both like, (laughs) right. Like, so we have one foot in whiteness and this ability for those of us that are white this ability to pass Mm -hmm. as white and this one foot out. And we are so looped in and, um, lumped it I don't know how to say it like we're um also in that targeted and hated an other group yeah and I think growing up um in Overland Park and you know going to Blue Valley high school you know school system I was very very aware of my otherness and my difference and um in like subtle and not so subtle ways um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, that built, I mean, it was a lonely and isolating feeling, but I think that that, like, really built my character, and I've always, you know, for as long as I can remember, I've always been um, identified with the underdog or the outsider or the marginalized, and um, I, I don't know, I like, that's just had so much to do with my Jewish and justice journey, And I want nothing more than to build a community, um, especially here in Kansas city where, you know, like when I was in New York or people in DC or Chicago or um, we're expanding to San Diego, like those communities already exist. And I think like, for me, nothing is more important than building that progressive faith-based community here locally.
0: Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. That's, A lot of really helpful information about your experience and about sort of the context in which you're working and the vision you have for the world, which, you know, is one of equity and inclusion and um, not just justice, but like this really radical way of being community together. Um, Yeah.
1: When we know that, um, like without dismantling white supremacy, like you can't dismantle anti-Semitism. Like they are so, what I was trying to say before is like, they are so linked and bound up with one Mm -hmm. another as we are with one another. Mm -hmm. And that um, it's only by, you know, like we will not persevere or like preserve ourselves if we only worry about anti-Semitism, like they are so linked.
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: And um, when we fight against um, racism, you know, and, and equality and the redistribution of resources, you know, like it's only benefiting all of us. That's, that's what I believe. And that's, you know, and that's the goal is to, to teach and educate and raise the consciousness of the Jewish community as a whole to understand, Mm -hmm. you know, like uh, self-preservation and looking out for ourselves is important. Like we've seen historically that, you know, most, Communities take care of themselves because, like, maybe nobody else will. Mm -hmm. But like, it's only in our solidarity with others that, like, we will truly be
0: safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this it it reminds me of that saying that like rising tides raise all boats or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. (laughs) I probably just totally ruined that quote, but no, a rising tide (laughs) lifts all boats. That's totally. Yeah. So everything that you're saying sounds, you know, really simple and beautiful and wonderful, like, you know, in this sort of straightforward description (laughs) and what you're actually doing. And um, (laughs) this program that you're actually running, it's really difficult. Um, Yeah. You know, racial equity, um, you know, fighting for sort of a, a Jewish identity of social justice in the world. Like that's not Easy work, and so I'm curious what what it is that sustains you in the work, what it is mm-hmm. that keeps you inspired. I know you mentioned um, the feeling this connection to sort of your spiritual ancestors, in, yeah, in like you know the the Jewish activists who've come before you, um, and that that's a really you know that's a source of inspiration. But I'm wondering what else, what other either practices or experiences you know keep you in the work and keep you going and um, how it is that you take care of yourself? I know that's like...
1: No, I'm, <laughs> I'm only making the sound cause they're still making noise above me, I'm sorry. Oh no, I can't um, hear it, it's okay. Okay, good. So, I mean, that's an awesome question. And it's like really at the heart of who we are as an organization and who I think I am as an activist. Um, when Avodah was founded, I I did not find, you know, I was in the beginning stages of the organization of participant, but our wise founder, David Rosen, you know, knows that community is an essential ingredient towards, um, and community care is like an essential ingredient towards long haul activist work. And so like for 21 years or Yeah, for like 21 years, I have had a community of support um, of people who like get it, who speak the same language, who, um, you know, who wake up each day thinking about the same sort of things I think about, who go to sleep at night thinking about those same sorts of things that keep, you know, that keep me up at night. And they have for sure sustained me. Um, And so I'd say community is a huge part of it. Um, I also think commitment, like I, I knew, I mean, even before Abu Dhabi, I knew I was making this long haul commitment towards the movement. I mean, I've been watching way more documentaries than probably I should. And um, one of the things that I've taken away is that like so much has changed and yet so little has changed at the same time. And like, in some ways it's reassuring to know that like people have always been fighting And at other times I'm like, people are always, you know, like the fight continues to go on and it's heartbreaking. Um, I think we celebrate the wins when we can, but knowing that this is not instantaneous and like so much of our lives are instantaneous, you know, yesterday I wanted something and, you know, it arrived on my door the next day. And like, Mm -hmm. that's the way that our lives are. But I know in terms of social justice, that it cannot be fixed immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, huh. Yeah. What
0: yeah. Else? <laughs> um, well, there's there's, there's another oh, wow. there's another way that I know community shows up in your life, and that's through the maker community and the crafter community.
1: Yeah, I was so totally like, going to mention that. That has kept me sane and spiritually well balanced. Um, <laughs> For sure. Um, Four or five years ago, sort of like leading up to the presidential election, I was so like distraught and disturbed by everything that I, I felt like I was consuming media. I mean, we've since gotten rid of cable, you know, like all of that stuff and I've eliminated it um, from my life, but there were still like things that stressed me out and I found that I was like embroidering and like doing Things with my hands and creating like a little bit of beauty in a world that felt like so broken Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: I would make these things and people wanted to buy them and I was like what really and um, I was so lucky enough to stumble upon the strawberry swing indie craft fair and like again all the community that comes with that Mm -hmm. and it's been like more than four years now that I have been part of that maker movement. And that, that also, I mean, I call myself a craftivist um, because I think that there is for sure a connection between um, like not only my use of recycled materials and this idea of like turning and upending um, like women's pastimes, you know, like embroidery mm-hmm. and needlework and things with yarn and felt like upending that. And, like, radicalizing
0: mm-hmm.
1: handiwork or, like, women's work or, mm-hmm. um, like, home economics sort of stuff. yeah <laughs> you know, what you made those projects. But um, also the things that I'm trying to say in, mm-hmm. in you know, the stitching or, um, like I said, the just the vibrant colors that are, like, a little more, make the world a little more tolerable um, mm-hmm. than, like, the bleakness around us. And so like that to me is craftivism. And so Little Fury um, is the the work that I do through that. I I mean, I, I don't know for what it's worth. I felt like when I said, and people wanted to buy it, I, I also feel yucky around like calling it a small business or thinking about it as like money. Because mm-hmm. I also think that capitalism is tied up in this conversation when we talk about like, you know, dismantling white supremacy and anti-Semitism and all of the, the awfulness, Mm -hmm. like capitalism is also bound up in that. Um, Mm -hmm. and like, sometimes I would think of my worth as like how much I made at a show, Mm -hmm. um, instead of, you know, I'll look down an aisle and I'll see like these kids running towards me and towards the bright colors with like such excitement. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, like that wasn't as valued to me as like, the amount of income that I made Mm -hmm. and so I think you know we barter and trade among ourselves um I I, I'm just happy like that someone takes home something that I've invested my love and time into Mm -hmm. um and so like that's another small way that Mm -hmm. um that I feel like I'm making you know not just a difference but like trying to upend these systems that like make all of us so sick and yeah keep all of us so
0: yeah yeah it's uh so the I know you just popped up at the strawberry swing on Saturday (laughs) and I was scrolling through Instagram Saturday afternoon for a minute and I saw um a friend of mine posted pictures of her kids in in the little unicorn and I was like oh my gosh that's Amy's work like it was just so cool to like You know, see, like, because you don't know each other. No. You would absolutely love each other if you knew each other, but you don't really know each other. And yet, you know, you're strangers to each other, but I saw on my Instagram feed, like, your work on my friend's kids. And it just, it's, there's a really beautiful sort of connectiveness. Oh my gosh. You know, like a material connection Mm -hmm. um, that comes from making things and putting them into the world. And, It's just such a beautiful sort of testament to, you know, to, to creativity and to persistence and inspiration. And, you know, I just, there's something so special and sacred about making things um, and sort of channeling our creativity and love into them and then putting them out Mm. into the world. And it's, to me, there's so much divinity in that. And there's so much, there's just so much love in it. And I, to me, that's, that's what this is all about. Like, that's what faith is all about. That's what life is all about is like, you know, to do what we can to cultivate connection. And to, like you said, put, you know, create something that is tangible and beautiful and lasting, but not like, You know, polluting of our (laughs) of our of our world, Um, and I've been thinking a lot recently about harm reduction. Mm. Um, not only as like a personal, um, sort of coping skill or a personal value, but also as a community value. And I don't know this this intersection between. You know justice work and crafting and this sort of ecosystem and system of care that that is created in community or that just that is sort of intrinsic to community. Um, For me it connects up with this intention of harm reduction in the sense that harm reduction feels like a place to start. Mm.
1: I um... I mean, I, I want to hear more. It makes me think about, I, I mentioned community care before mm-hmm. and versus self-care, which I feel like everybody talks about. And, mm-hmm. and it's that, va- I mean, I think self-care is valuable, but there's um, one of the lessons that we study together as a group in the Abu Dha, um cohorts is this idea of community care. And there's a line in <clears throat> a piece that we read and I wish I could tell you the piece and who wrote it, um, but it says that, like, no amount of bubble baths and, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, spa days will alleviate the feelings that we feel. Like, it's only mm-hmm. when we begin to change systems. And so with regard to harm reduction, like, yeah, um, like, taking a nap is better. Like, I guess that's the harm reduction. But I wish that, like, people could work um. And do things they loved and get paid an amount of money that they could survive and that they didn't have to be on the front lines and be hard you know like all Mm -hmm. of that Mm -hmm. um but I do think community care and mutual aid I've been thinking a lot about mutual aid lately Mm -hmm. um are you on like the Kansas City mutual aid page um I not actively (laughs) it's really difficult because like I thought that mutual aid and like community care I thought that that is what I believe in and in fact it's really upsetting Mm -hmm. because people are like I need 27 dollars to get my prescription or can anyone help me out with 10 bucks for gas Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking oh my god like the system is so messed up like you could continuously give away your money which fine like if if that's going to keep people safe Mm -hmm. but like what a messed up world that someone is evicted because they have to pay for prescriptions or medical bills right. and so mm-hmm. i don't know like i'm imagining yeah like, it's not a systemic change. change right
0: like mutual aid is the band-aid or like it's like the tourniquet that you yeah. know re- like is trying to stop the the hemorrhage you <laughs> like to stop the bleeding but right. you're still going to need surgery Right. And maybe that's the harm reduction. I don't know. You know, we also
1: talk about different methods of social change. And this was a big part of my Avodah story is that like my year of service, I was, um, you know, I came in and I like wanted to help people. mm -hmm. And I was placed at, I mean, it was 1999. Like I didn't have like the systemic analysis that I had that like, I, I mean, people in the world did, but like not my world. And yeah, it, I, it was like this huge radicalization this, that, that year, but I was, you know, holding, you know, working in partnership with and muddling through a system at a domestic violence shelter, if I didn't say that, you know, and I was the housing specialist, this 21, 22 year old white girl from Kansas was responsible for helping people, um, navigate the new york city housing system so that they could get like permanent housing and leave the shelter and after about a month of the work i was like this is horrendous like i do not want to be a cog in this wheel like i do not want to fill out another form i do not want to wait another line i do not want to like fight through this Mm -hmm. mess Mm -hmm. i want to like upend the whole thing Mm -hmm. and that was a huge." awakening for me huge um you know I thought a lot about community organizing and then there was a moment where I looked at our program director and I was like I want to be her when I grow up I want to create these transformative experiences for people who for Jewish people I think I thought mm-hmm. you know for Jewish people who can go out and transform the world in whatever way they want mm-hmm. my point is like um there's like a Saul Alinsky parable that says that like, you know, the babies in the river, I don't know, you know, that like somebody comes along and starts pulling these babies out of a river. And then for months, this goes on, they're like pulling the babies out and rescuing them. And someone finally says, I'm going to go to the top of the hill and find out who's throwing these babies in and make them stop. And so like, that's what I believe in, but I also am like, so glad that somebody's there to pull the babies out. I'm so glad that someone's willing to pay $27 so someone can fill their tank of gas. Mm -hmm. And like, it all has to be happening simultaneously, but I, I felt really demoralized by like that being my position in the Mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. It was way too much. It was way too much heartbreak. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. For me.
0: Yeah. And so this is, you know, the story wagon podcast and we're all about stories and, there's a there's a sneaky um this this version of the world that you see Mm -hmm. one that is equitable and just and empathetic and where we stop shouting self-care at people who need community care yeah right yeah um we stop failing people by by feeding this narrative that Poverty, homelessness, um, illness, any of those things are some sort of personal failure that individuals have to pick themselves up by their bootstraps to get it to get through. And that story, that narrative about why people are poor, why people are um, Mm -hmm. homeless, you know, like why people are living outside? Why people need don't have twenty seven dollars to pay for their prescription? Right. Like we live in a society in which the narrative around that experience is one of individual failure, when it is actually community failure. Because one hundred percent, and that's supremacy culture, right? Yeah, supremacy culture says that I ha- I deserve everything that I have. And since you don't have what I have, you must deserve less. Mm-hmm. And because you have less than I have, you're inferior to me. Um, that's just on the economic level, right? So then mm-hmm. when we layer on all these different um, sort of social location components of like, oh, but you're also a person of color. You're a woman. You're a single mother. You're, you know maybe you're even queer. Like that's a whole lot of, you know, like that's a whole lot of inferiority to be navigating in this supremacy culture. Um, Right. Christian hegemony. Like we,
1: we, uh, you and I have talked about that too. Like what what role does Christianity play in mm-hmm. upholding these systems? And yeah, you know, I think about missionaries and yep. Um, yeah, it's really, it's really a
0: lot. Yeah, it is, <laughs> it's and really it's really a lot. And again, going back to story, you know, mm-hmm. like your your story is one of sort of transformation and growth and you know, leaping out of your comfort zone of your little Blue Valley, Kansas bubble, <laughs> you know, trying. and like leaping over to New York City and like diving into the deep end of, you know, um, working in a shelter for victims of domestic violence and then helping, trying to help them get housing. And then having this like, you know, moment of like, wait a minute, there's some, there's a downstream problem here and I want to be part of the solution to that downstream problem. Yeah. And that's, it, it seems to me that it is a tremendous act of faith to make that commitment. So we have, you know, there's a lot that we're looking at here in this conversation. And um, you know, we're kind of getting at some solutions. You know, we've talked about harm reduction, we've talked about systemic change, we've talked about, you know, the importance of community care and that, you know, mutual aid is is mutual aid and harm reduction are great places to start. And it's not enough to sustain us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I guess I'm just thinking about like you know, from your perspective in your experience and everything that you see and all the training that you do with Avodah, you know, with the fellowship and all of that, like, if, if there were someone, if there's someone listening today, who's like feeling, you know, overwhelmed by the state of the world, Mm -hmm. and feels like there's nothing they can do to make a difference. What's, what's a piece of advice that you would give to them or what Where can someone start, like?
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: There's um,
1: a quote, like, of Jewish text um, from, it's called the Shulchan Aruch, like the wisdom of our fathers, I think is uh, that translation. And it says, it is not up to you to complete the task neither can you desist from it at Mm -hmm. all. Um, and I think about it a lot. I have a a sticker that says that, and I am overwhelmed often, (laughs) um, you know, between the state of the world and navigating ADHD and like my own, um, executive function challenges, Mm -hmm. like overwhelm is the state that I think I like live in most. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about that whole subject another time, but, um, when I think about like, I can't not deal with it. Like it's, but I, but I don't think anyone is expecting us to complete the task. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not up to us to complete it, but it would be really remit. Like we would be remiss to not even begin to try, Mm -hmm. um, before you were saying something about like this incredible leap of faith. And I think like to sum up my faith is that, like, I don't think, and I, you know, I think this is inherently Jewish to say that, like, I don't think someone should have to, like, die and have, like, a heavenly, wonderful hereafter. Like, I want to make manifest the world, like, like as it should be now mm-hmm. for us to enjoy. Not, not um, in the afterlife, not, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. on something, like, I can't bank on or that I can't, mm-hmm. Yeah, we all can't experience now. And I think like that is my faith. Like it is um an act of faith to constantly be visioning and reimagining and working towards like the world that is yet to be um mm-hmm. in the here and now. Mm-hmm. Um Jewish tradition also says um like You hear tikkun olam a lot, like it Mm -hmm. means the repair of the world. And I love that anyway, but the story of it is so much more like even more magical that like when God created the world that it was so like full of awesomeness and light and it was so magnificent that it like burst into a million billion, you know, shattered into like all of these shards of light and goodness and so that the world is in a constant state of disrepair and then it's our job to like gather these shards and to build back like this vessel of wholeness mm-hmm. and I, I mean that's that's where i would start right mm-hmm. like it's just about a movement of of building back of leaving things like like just a little bit better
0: mm-hmm. for
1: are you know for our children and for future generations than they were for us mm-hmm. um yeah and that yeah I, <laughs> I don't know it's not easy it's yeah. really done
0: yeah yeah and I feel like a place to I feel like a place to start is to challenge these sort of accepted narratives that we've been given um you know it's like, what's, what's the story that we tell our, what's the story you tell yourself about a particular thing or a particular type of person or a particular experience? And then like, maybe, you know, read or talk to, you know, read from or talk to people who are actually living that experience and yeah. find out if the direct lived experience matches the sort of societal narrative about it. Because most of the time it doesn't yeah. actually. Um, or that
1: there's some like huge, deep underlying reason why things are the way they are. Right. I mean, again, it's like a yeah. little
0: unsettling to peel those <laughs> the, things back. Yeah. The deep underlying reason why things are the way they are: um, sup- supremacy culture and Christian hegemony. Mm, we'll right. See, start there. Right. Um, but, like it's like the more you know, the more you know. Yeah. And Yeah. The more,
1: the more this like veil is pulled mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. where people I another documentary I want to shout out is um Judas and the Black Messiah. Like
0: mm.
1: how messed up is it? But you walk and you think like, oh, like that's yeah. why things are the way they are.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and without that, you know, rootedness in our history and without like this understanding of like what's going on behind the curtain,
0: mm-hmm. it'll just continue. Yeah. 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 And, you know, going back to this, this piece about like mutual aid and systemic change, like
1: mm-hmm.
0: justice work needs all of us and all of us have a place in justice work. Right. And, you know, it, it's not, um, it's not a one size fits all situation. Like there's not one right way to do it. Um, right. Oh, for and sure. To me, the place to start is the place of your own heart and your own caring and empathy. Like, you know, pick one thing. There Mm -hmm. are so many issues and problems, you know, and it's like, just pick one and find an organization that's, that's doing systemic change work and community organizing, you know, around that one thing and go from there. Yeah. Um, There are lots of mutual aid networks. Um, You know, Casey tenants has one, black rainbow has one Kansas city mutual aid, like, there are so many different opportunities for that, um, which is huge, hugely helpful as well. Um, And I feel like mutual aid also asks us to sort of disrupt that narrative that um, the problem of the individual is up to the individual to solve. Yeah, You know, and so it's like, we need all of these practices and sort of spiritual technologies.
1: (laughs) I love that, I love that.
0: We need all of them. Um, And it can be overwhelming. So, um, you know, just to pick that one small thing that, you know, we can do, even if it's just keeping ourselves sane by, you know, a little bit of cross stitch or a little bit of embroidery, like (laughs) that,
1: that is another great story. And then like, we can end with this. But I when I was working at the domestic violence shelter, I had a really, I felt like so much guilt Um, And like internal shame. I remember my parents came to visit me in New York and they bought me a new winter coat. And I was like embarrassed to wear it to work because here I was, you know, feeling like I was flaunting my -hmm. privilege and the people there had so little and I I was a mess. Like I didn't want to leave because I felt bad. They couldn't, I mean, it was, it was a, a mismatch for me, but it was also like, I didn't have the skills to navigate this at all. And my supervisor who I loved, who was a fellow social worker said, you know, like you're of no use to me. If your cup isn't full, like you think you're, I don't think he called me a martyr or like, he wasn't mean about it, but he was like, if you cannot keep your cup full, like you cannot continuously give to others. And if Mm -hmm. you can't give to others, like you're of no use to me. Like you're playing small and you're, Mm -hmm. um, self-sacrifice however he said it like you're um mm-hmm. yeah all these things that you think you're like coping and like like you think you're somehow helping yourself like you're not mm-hmm. they yeah. make you less capable yeah. of doing the work I need you to do or we need yeah. you to do yeah and that's been huge I mean mm-hmm. that and that goes back to self-care and care. community care like I can't be a good mm-hmm. member of my community if I'm Or when I'm a mess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I am a mess.
0: Yeah. It's also the skill of empathy. Right. Right. Because practicing the skill of empathy doesn't ask me to make myself smaller in order to make space for your experience. The skill of empathy asks me to stand in my fullness and understand you as you want to be understood in your fullness. And that is like so anti-supremacist, anti-capitalist, anti-patriarchal, anti, anti anti like, you know, like it that way of being in the world Mm -hmm. counters every narrative we have as a society about who we are and how we can relate to each other. And empathy is is a deeply spiritual practice as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So just one last question for you, which is... If anyone is listening and they're curious about Avoda, or they're curious about Little Fury Crafting or Strawberry Swing, like what's the information? How do we get connected to those things?
1: Oh, that's awesome. I mean, again, building any kind of community I can, like the more connections I have and can make, like nothing makes me happier. So um, if you're interested in Avoda, check out avodah.net. Um, you know you can find us at Instagram and Facebook with Avoda. It's A V O D A H, and it means service in Hebrew. For those of you who are um, who are curious about what that Hebrew word means, so that's Avodah. Little Fury um, is little and then my last name fury f-u-r-e-y and again instagram facebook etsy is probably the best place um and i definitely would check out strawberry swing we have shows monthly um in socially distant safe ways outdoors temperature taking mask wearing and again strawberry swing is a hub for like all the creative makers in kansas city so if you're looking for anything like strawberry swing is the place like the one-stop shop to go mm-hmm. and to find like that category of thing you're looking for um it's all compiled there and you can connect to like the entire maker community mm-hmm. and um yeah I mean it's just been so nice to talk with you I actually feel like we're hanging out together <laughs> in some like my mind could like pretend like yeah for one brief moment that this was like normal and we were you know sitting at a <laughs> coffee shop talking and I really like i forgot how much i missed that um yeah. i've been like in this bunk and i've been like oh people suck and i don't want to go out and deal with people again but like this reminded me how much i do love people inherently <laughs> and you know like that getting together you know as someone who's like i love community i love connection but like getting to be back with people and talking about the things that we all like care about
0: mm-hmm. it's gonna be amazing yeah yeah awesome well thank you so much amy oh thank and, you amy and that is all for today and on that note
1: we'll call that a wrap for this episode of story Wagon. i want to thank you the listener for supporting us and listening to this episode and if you want please follow
0: us on any social media platform and type in story Wagon. you can also visit us at a website storywagon.org and so
1: with that This is Chaplain Jose Martinez wishing you good spiritual health.